All right. So we had a little technical difficulties. I'm having problems with where I'm recording. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But it breaks up about an hour in. Then we finish up for maybe the last 15 to 20 minutes. A lot of good stuff here. We got uh, Wilt versus Russell. We kind of really get in depth and Joe gets in depth. I think uh, the two of us are really good at NBA history. We go over the IBS GOAT tournament that we had in our group. And we also go over uh, the ESPN, I guess it's 74, top 74 list, and the problems and issues we had with that. I thought he had some really good points about Chris Paul, about Bill Russell. Uh, it's just a really good thing. Uh, don't forget to rate the show on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast so you can get it. Uh, as soon as it comes out and spread the word. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to the RC Report. I am your host, RC Carlton, and I am here again with my favorite guest. I know that upsets my brother and Alan Sanders, but it is the truth. The smartest man in Abbey Sports, Joe Matz. How are you, Joe? All things considered, right now, I'm good. Yeah, I'm not even going to do... I just meant a, okay. I just meant a general, uh, how are you? <laughs> but, like, one of those where how are you that I don't really care. But the... Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. Every single show and every podcast and every guest, they're like, well, how are you doing? How are you surviving all that? I, I don't know. Maybe that makes me a bad person, but, like, I just don't need to hear it on every talk show host. And every podcast, I don't need to hear how a beat writer from Utah and his family are doing. Maybe I'm getting a little jaded. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> maybe it's getting to me. But uh, And you're okay not to answer that. Um, so what we were going to do today is talk about the IB Sports, IBS, as you guys know and love. I'm trying to phase that out, but it's almost impossible to phase out. IB Sports, IBS, our GOAT tournament. And the ESPN, I believe it was the top 74, 75, I can't remember which one it is, uh, their rankings of all-time NBA players. Now, for our GOAT tournament, I used a list from 2016, which I thought was the best list. I didn't agree with all of it, but the best list I've ever seen do. And they had different um, measurements of ways to do it than they did this most recent list. But I used that to seed it. What did you think or what stood out to you about our GOAT tournament? Um, My biggest surprise was how much it made sense. <laughs> like not just the bracket, which I agree. I think that probably is the best list that I've seen. And I've, I've looked during the last few months when I've been bored, I've been trying to like do my own rankings of players and stuff. So I've been familiarizing myself with a lot of these lists online, and I think that is the best one. But I was surprised we didn't have, have more weird things happen in the tournament. Like, it kind of went according to how I thought it would go for the most part. I did, too. I thought that uh, there weren't a lot of upsets. I think people had a good perspective on history. There wasn't a lot of recency bias. Uh, like, I was surprised Elgin Baylor advanced a couple rounds. Dr. J advanced a couple rounds. I was really proud of the group, and I know that's one of the things that I harp on and push people down people's throat. It's like basketball history. Basketball history is, like, why I became a sports fan. 
I just used to go to the library and always get a sports book. And they were always 10 years old or 20 years old. So I was just learning about <laughs> basketball history. And like, I learned about Wilt and like all these crazy stats and just... So that's how I kind of fell in love with the game by learning about the history of the game more than I learned about like what was active. Because when I was a kid, I'm 41, like the NBA wasn't on every day. So a lot of what I was getting, I was reading about it. And so I was I was proud of the group. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously we each have a few gripes with things that happen in here, but. You know, there wasn't anything crazy. There wasn't, like, some random Allen Iverson Sweet 16 run or anything. So, I'm good. <laughs> what was – and I know you you were critical of some of it, and I liked the way that you, you brought a lot of advanced metrics. It's funny because I don't like using the advanced metrics as much historically as I do now. And I don't know why that is. I, I, I think – and I'm definitely not anti-advanced metrics, but I feel like – the I, I really rely heavily on like the yearly awards because every single person was watching them at that time. Generally speaking, the beat writers and the reporters are reporting the NBA and they're voting. And if you look at their consensus, I think over the years you get a pretty good indicator of what a player was, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of I've moved towards trying to balance those two things because you know, I, anyone who's on the page knows I'm into the advanced metrics on whatever sport we're talking about. But I think there's definitely there's weaknesses to them. They're not going to tell you everything. And even if, if you go back, the further you go back, the fewer metrics you have. Like if we go back to the 60s, we've got wind shares and PER, and that's all we have. When then you get like more plus minus stuff, you get BPM. And some guys show up better in some of those stats than they do others. So when you're going back to the 60s or 70s, you're not working with quite as much. Yeah, so I think like, then you really have, and then you really like, have to go back and look at all NBA selections. Exactly. And then stuff, stuff like, like they didn't do blocks, and obviously that helped, that hurts Chamberlain and Russell a lot. And, I mean, I don't know how much that ties into a metric. But it's still, you know, or if you were going to do defensive plus minus and that kind of stuff, like for them, that, that definitely doesn't help their uh, cause. But then, you know, there's some stuff like MVPs where when Wilt Chamberlain averaged 50 points and 25 rebounds, he didn't get the MVP. So, you know, it's, it's kind of it's hit or miss. But what was the biggest uh, issue you had with uh, any result in the tournament? Let's see. I think my my biggest one, obviously, I you know I'm a Bill Russell guy. I would think he should have beaten Hakeem, but at the same time, I can understand why people take Hakeem. Like we know how Hakeem would do in any era; he'd be awesome. And he's he wins back to back. And did you see the Ringers' uh, recent articles where they? kind of did an analysis to tell what teams should have won championships in a given year based on, I think it's point differential in the regular season Mm -hmm. and then who they play. I didn't see that. That's interesting. Yeah, it was really good. And the the amazing thing is the Rockets in 94, I think, they projected them with a 6% chance. Wow. Which is one of the lowest. 95, their metric came out with 0.2%. Sheesh. Now that 95 what? when they were the sixth seed and everything, right? Yeah, so they beat the Jazz, who 
were the three seed but had the second best record in the NBA and the best point differential. Then I think they beat the Suns after that, and then they beat the Spurs, who had the MVP, David Robinson, and then you get Shaq and Penny in the finals. So if you've got a guy who can lead a team against those odds, I can't push back against that too much. So the one that really got me was Shaq over Duncan, which it doesn't surprise me that people took Shaq over Duncan. It just kind of – I feel like Duncan to me is kind of like the modern Russell and Shaq is the modern Wilt. And then, But the difference is Wilt Chamberlain showed up in shape every season. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then I don't have any of the questions about Bill Russell adapting to today's game because I saw Tim Duncan today's game and he could score 25 – Grab fifteen boards, get seven. I think that net series he averaged like six blocks in the yeah. finals. And he, his longevity, he beat Shaq. He has more championships than Shaq. He never drove away any teammates. No team was ever like, ah, we maybe we'll choose someone else over Tim. The Spurs never had a question about choosing someone else over Tim Duncan. And he could adapt to whatever was needed. Like, if he, he needed to play power forward next to David Robinson, he's good to go. If he needs to take a back seat and let Tony Parker take more shots, good to go. Like, he could adapt to whatever his teammates were. And I was also listening to a podcast from last fall with Steve Kerr was on Bill Simmons' pod. And Kerr said the difference between playing with Jordan and playing with Duncan was – when you were playing with Tim Duncan, you felt like you were playing with Tim Duncan. When you played with Michael Jordan, you felt like you were playing for Michael Jordan. And obviously that worked fine for Jordan, but the, I think the point there is Tim Duncan is the best player on that team for over a decade, and there's never an ego problem there. He's, he's like Tim Duncan could have played with anyone in any era. He's good. Shaq, he's good in any era. But can he play with anyone? I think we, we know the answer to that is no. There's going to be friction if he's up with anybody else who has a big ego. I think so. That, you make a really good case. That's like the best case I've ever heard somebody say for Tim Duncan. And I go back and forth. And to me, the weight, uh, and it's my, my gripe with the Spurs that they never won back-to-back. I think that they're so... It's so hard to go back to back and so hard to do a three-peat. I just think to be that dominant, to be that on top, and to be the lead dog of that three times in a row, like that apex, to me, defeats, or before you were saying some of that, because there's obviously some stuff with Shaq where if he didn't have someone like Kobe, would he have had a three-peat? Because it definitely wasn't all Shaq. About a second year, Kobe was a very strong one uh, uh, what one B very strong. It, it, you look at the finals; they had matchup advantages. But if you look at that season, the second and third run, especially the third run where Shaq was like pulling a Pippen, doing the surgery too late, and playing himself <laughs> into shape, it, like could he have done it without somebody that driven? Like if it was T Mac, who's not as driven, like would they really have won that much? You know. So it, you bring up some good points, um, 
and and obviously Shaq having to move around and not being able to keep the dynasty up and his commitment to the game. And I try not to punish people because sometimes I think people are too hard on Shaq because he didn't get the most out of his potential. But look at what he did do. You know, it's like, it's pretty, he was pretty freaking uh, unstoppable in his prime. Yeah, I think that's an issue that we have, I think, with all the super talented guys who aren't Jordan. Where sometimes we look at Wilt and it's like, well, why why is he only have two championships? Why, you know, why didn't Shaq, why was he out of shape? Why can't LeBron, you know, he gets to the finals every year, but why didn't he win more? And some, to a degree, that criticism, I think, has merit. But at the same time, it can blind us to, like, all right, regardless, these guys were amazing. Like, it's like there's a special standard for them. There's, there's a special standard for them because they're freak athletes. And it's like, well, can anybody, can anybody really meet that? I guess besides Jordan, and I still would say Jordan is not the kind of freakish athlete just based on size that Will LeBron and like Will LeBron and Shaq were made in some mad scientist's lab, you know. And so those standards are almost impossible to meet. And of course, Shaq is the only one of those that has a work ethic issue, which you can look into and free throws. And I don't know. I just sometimes I feel like people punish him too harshly for it, but then I don't know how to judge Shaq's shortcomings, I guess. Yeah, I forgot to even mention that. It's just like you have, which this would apply to Wilt and Bill Russell as well, is at the end of games, you didn't necessarily want them to have the ball if there was going to be a foul situation because Tim Duncan was good enough to get by. He wasn't a great free throw shooter, but most years, I think he's, I think for his career, I think he's in the high 60s or something. Yeah, but I mean, I would call him just some big free throws, but yeah, he wasn't a liability to that extent as the other two. Yeah, like I, I remember I've seen hack a Duncan once or twice, but it wasn't like a normal strategy that happened all the time. And I just, I, I just, you know, I, I could go either way. And I told you, I said, I thought that Shaq is better than Duncan and Duncan is better than Kobe and Kobe is better than Shaq. It's just like this paper, rock, scissors thing where I do think if you look at the career of, of Duncan and look at the career of Kobe Bryant and if you look at the advanced metrics like Duncan, I haven't looked at it with Shaq, but Duncan is superior to Kobe in a lot of those things, a lot of those areas. But I just, God, prime Shaq was the most unstoppable force in the NBA since Wilt Chamberlain. And the pressure that he caused the defense is just, I don't even think you can, uh, you can quantify it. That That's my thing with that. That's true. I mean, it's hard to argue if we're talking Pete. It's hard to argue against Pete Shaq against almost anybody. Because, yeah, you just, the power he had... The, and the athleticism, which I think we sometimes forget about now, because you know we had a decade of slower, fatter yeah. Shaq. And like, even Orlando Shaq, you know, they got to the finals. He was amazing, still like an amazing freakish, just a different kind of freakish. He was more agile and whatnot. But like, and and then that that peak, it's not just like well, Wilt's peak. He's scoring fifty a game, where his championships are spread out. The, his peak was winning three in a row so you know i i try i tend to do that but then there's some days where i say hey you know maybe it's duncan maybe your arguments about duncan are correct i think it is like it was like the hardest it, it probably was the hardest or the second hardest matchup in the tournament and i think with Shaq, with him being always in the forefront 
and always being a TV personality, being on the most popular NBA-related show and on every commercial, and being a more entertaining character on and off the court, that tilts the toss-up towards other people. He's a persona. Yeah, which that's why I'm not surprised that he won. Because even though I think on the basketball merits, and you raise a fair point about, I mean, who's ever led a team to a 3 D? Bill Russell, Michael Jordan, and Shaquille O'Neal. Like, that's it. <laughs> so, that's hard to argue against. I think the longevity wins it for Duncan in my mind, and again, you know, more of the intangible stuff. But I think it's to the credit of, you know, A, ESPN for ordering these guys in a pretty proper order, and then our voters that that to me is like the one that I'm like, oh, that one bothers me. Because <laughs> that's not, yeah, like that's not that bad. All time, I think, like personally, I think I have Duncan 8th and I have Shaq 11. Yeah. If the, the worst thing is someone jumped three spots, uh, that's not a crime against humanity or anything. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, the, the one that, that got the most votes, I think, well, actually, Jordan versus, uh, <laughs> I think LeBron. LeBron versus Jordan was 122 to 22, which I was surprised, but let's not get there yet. The yeah, closest matchup that, that ended up being 80 to 80, even though people kept voting, like the the, dirt, the crazy Dirk fans like added were added to the group after the uh, buzzer, and they kept voting, and it ended up being 80 to 80. But the <laughs> final score, Malone won by like two votes. So it was Carl Malone versus Dirk. I think it was like a 4-5 or five matchup. And that's one I was very passionate about because you do have Dirk and this incredible run, uh, one of the only people. There's Rick Bear, there's Dirk, and there's like one other person that maybe like no other star, no other all-star on their team to get a championship run. And uh, it's an impressive run. But also, Dirk had quite a bit of failures. And and what I look at is that Malone making as many all-NBA teams and as as anybody in history until LeBron broke it, and as many all-NBA first teams as anybody in history until LeBron broke it. And I think to be that dominant for that long and that consistent when Charles Barkley and the Sean Kemp's, and it's not like the power four position during his 18, 19 year career was devoid of talent, but he kept beating Charles Barkley out and all those other guys out year after year. And, uh, you know, you could make a case that he's the second greatest player of the nineties. And I know you're going to say some stuff about the postseason. Um, I feel like we're kind of in the reverse positions for this one from Shaq Duncan, where I am ultimately on Team Dirk for this, but it, this one feels to me like it's a coin flip. Because, I mean, all the points, like, you bring, I mean, his longevity is up there with anyone. I mean, he's make, he's making finals and winning MVPs in his 30s, which, I mean, if outside of Michael Jordan, who else is clearly the best player on their team and win the MVPs in their 30s. Yeah. It's Jordan, it's Jordan Kareem, LeBron, and Malone as far as how good they are at, in their 30s. That's it. Yeah. And obviously, Carl, much better defensive player than Dirk. I mean, I, I don't think Dirk was, until the end, I don't think he was like a travesty on defense, but Steve's tall enough. He, he, he worked towards it most of the time, but it's not like you would ever say, like, oh, I'm glad we got Dirk on D, where Carl Malone 
had multiple all defensive teams. It was second in points ever. Obviously, you know, he's got a great resume. But I mean, they're coming up short. It bothers me a little too much. It's like it's hard to fault anyone for losing to Jordan. But kind of the way that it ends, it's like, oh, he gets the ball stolen. In 97, he misses the two free throws. It's kind of like he's just the guy. He's the guy who he's the foil who's going to fail at the opportune time so that Michael Jordan can be Michael Jordan. There's definitely then, some bad again, looks out there for Carl Malone. Look at, not gonna lie, I don't remember. I mean, I remember the choking because I guess he was one of my favorites. But I remember the choking, uh, the free throws. But also, uh, Rosillo and uh, Simmons were going back and rewatching the series. And I think through the first four games, he only averaged twenty points a game. It's like you gotta. And granted, the pace they were going at, maybe it was that. But my God, you're the first offensive option on every play. Like, how do you? And then he came up big in Game Five and Six, even though he kind of choked at the end. But you know, I think Game Five he scored 39. But you just, eh, and you're right. Like his numbers did go down in the playoffs. I mean, they didn't dip, but they went down in the playoffs. And so they did do that. I, I do agree. And then again, I mentioned Keem earlier. 1995, Michael Jordan doesn't make the finals that year. And the Jazz had the second best record in the NBA, and they had the best point differential, and they lose in the first round. And, you know, it's hard to, again, it's hard to slam someone for losing to Hakeem and Clyde. But it's like he and Stockton, they just kind of found a way to be really good. But when they were up against greatness, they could never overcome it. Where, and to be fair, Dirk, has he was the MVP of the number one seed and lost the first round, first ever to lose to a, in a seven game series, lose to an eight seed. So Dirk has some of the same issues, but ultimately I, I give him a slight edge because 2011 happened. Like he led that team, and to be fair, he wasn't perfect either. Like he is phenomenal throughout that playoff run. But you look at Game Six, the clincher, he didn't shoot well in that game. Like Jason Terry actually like has this huge burst, yeah. I think, in the third quarter and kind of carries them over. But it's like you were the best team. You got through the West. You're the best player on the team. You get through the West. Well, they swept the defending champion Lakers. Yeah. Then you beat LeBron, who I think any rational person at least has him top five. Yeah. And Dwayne, who's top 25, top 30. And they're both on that team, and he gets the win. So that, to me, is just enough to give him the edge over Carl. And see, a lot of it's the and I hate the emphasis, and it happens with Iverson a lot. I hate the the overemphasis on one year, and I know it's a ring and everything, but it's like, okay, well, if Utah gets to play Miami, you know what happens? I mean, maybe they don't beat him, but he certainly aren't going against someone with the willpower of Jordan. You know, I I I, I kind of give Carl uh, a semi-pass against a guy with one ring if LeBron is the gatekeeper from stopping you from getting the ring versus Jordan. And that's not a knock on LeBron, but it's not the same thing as a guy that's like out there trying to murder you to, (laughs) as we've seen, like trying to overcome Jordan is more than trying to overcome LeBron, especially and when LeBron was in that fragile state, he was in that series. So it, it is a toss-up. Um, you know, it could really go either way, and that's why it was such a heated debate. I've argued about it on the Ringer group too. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it's just a really, it's a really, really good debate, and they even play the same position, so that kind of makes it yeah, even yeah. more intriguing. I think. 
And also, if, if we're going to be like you and not count Tim Duncan as a power forward, then we're talking about who's the best power forward of all time. Exactly. That, and that's, there's, there's, it's more of a conspiracy against Carl Malone because nobody likes Carl Malone. I said this. This is before I knew about the rape allegation stuff. So let, let's let's put those aside. You know that I'm putting that aside. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying in general, he was not what. This is not why he wasn't well liked. Like I don't even think that's as well known. Like he just was never like never embraced certainly by the black community and not even by the white community outside of Utah. He's just has never been a marketable. I mean, he's just like a black redneck, black country guy. Hey, and like he has hey. no home. Hey, he marketed Rogaine. Give, give him a break. He marketed <laughs> He did do Rogaine. Yeah. So it's just like he never really had a natural base that was big enough to support his exploits. Whereas other people, even in like small places, have like a bigger following. Like, One more thing. I want to Go ahead. Was it one more thing you wanted to add? Well, well, one more thing I want to add just in Dirk's favor is his his John Stockton left. Like, Steve Nash is there, and he leaves, and then goes wins two MVPs as the leader of the Suns team. Like, those guys were on the same team. They could have potentially stayed together throughout their whole primes. Maybe that team is too weak defensively, and that causes problems, but it's hard for me not to think the Mavs are better for the next, like, six seasons. He, clearly, Nash he clearly was holding Nash back. I mean, I think that's the obvious. <laughs> that's <laughs> the obvious answer. He was holding Steve Nash back. <laughs> that is a good point. His Dirk did leave. And they could have figured, definitely could have figured something out. All right. So, let's. any other gripes before we move on to the ESPN, the, the new ESPN list? No. I mean, right, hey, we, so, we got... We got the final four that I agree with, and Michael Jordan won, so I'm good. Yeah, we didn't recover that. We did. I was very impressed. The most impressive thing I, I, I uh, was the most impressed I was with the tournament is that Kareem came in second. Every vote, I mean, it was like voter suppression. It was like every time Kareem would win, and the votes, the total votes wouldn't even be like the total votes wouldn't be fifty. And, but he would win by 20 every single time until he got to the finals. So there was respect, but no passion for Kareem. And I think that is like a great example of how the basketball community feels about Kareem. Like everybody knows he's a bad man, but unless you grew up with him, you are not passionate about Kareem just because he's kind of, he's very thoughtful, but he's aloof. And uh, he certainly yeah. isn't flashy. And so... He just doesn't engender a lot of passion. Do you think there's a case that Kareem is the GOAT? Do you think he has, like, a compelling case at all or anything? Or do you think he's solid at two or three? I I think the only way for me to make a compelling case... Is if you're gonna go beyond the NBA, if you're gonna be like we're counting college. Well, yeah, he's a winner then. Because he's the goat, and regardless of the crazy people who are on ESPN to say that Michael Jordan was the college goat, like Kareem is far the only person who's even in the same stratosphere as Bill Walton. And I think we all know that Kareem is better than Bill Walton, as good as Bill was before the injuries. 
So if you're the GOAT in college and then you're second or third in the pros, I think you could argue like an overall GOAT. But if we're just talking NBA, then I think it's, I think it's definitely Jordan and Kareem's in the Magic LeBron argument for like second. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's realistic. And I think we talked about it a little bit about the ABA and him kind of ra- – I mean, he was the best, but kind of racking up some of those MVPs in the 70s and – he didn't and he was the best player at the beginning half of Magic's career, but you know, he didn't start winning again until Magic came around. So and then it hurts him that in a game seven Magic comes and, you know, steals the show and, and plays just masterfully and wins a title <laughs> and he gets hurt. So I uh yeah, it's it's a tough. It's kind of a reverse Kobe it's kind of like a Kobe and Shaq thing all over again, but they stayed together the whole time. All right, so I have some huge problems with the new ESPN list. I, um, gosh, my first problem, and I don't want to have it all the way out, but we can do our general opinions. Uh, they have Wilt at number six. I, I don't know. Wilt can't get outside your top five. I don't care how you're making your top five. You cannot allow Wilt to be outside of the top five just because of the overall Whoa. dominance. And I know the argument on your side is, is, and this is the argument, it's team versus individual. But I always say, and I always try to look at the contribution to the team in winning a championship. But what can, if, if, if Wilt could not beat the Celtics, who could beat them? I think Wilt's output shows that there's no way you could have beat them as one man. All right, so... First, I'm going to upset you by saying I agree with them. I think Wilt is number six all time. <laughs> of course. But I, I, I think that argument is totally fair in the first half of the 60s. Those, like, the early 60s teams when you've got Bill Russell at his athletic peak, you've got Bob Cousy, a bunch of other guys, Sam Jones, who's there the whole time. Like, that team was loaded. They were consistently – they were the best team record-wise, I think, by at least, like, four games, like, every year from 60 to 65. So I'm not going to hold any of that against Will. My problem is when he gets to the Sixers, he's got some really good players. Like, Hal Greer's an all-NBA second-team guy, like, every year that he's there. He had a couple other Hall of Famers. The first season, he gets traded halfway through. They lose to the Celtics. I'm not worried about that. But 66, 67, 68, they've got home court every year against the Celtics. Russell's getting old. Kuzi's gone. Sam Jones is getting old. Havlicek's not what Havlicek will become. The opportunity is there for them every one of those years. And they get him once. Like, they yeah, they did get Celtics him. Yeah. So, like, well, it's great. He's the only guy to beat the 60 Celtics. But then 66, though, they lose in five, despite home court advantage. 68, they're up three to one with home court. They lose. 69, he goes to the Lakers. They're up three to one with home court. They lose. And granted, we all know 69 is the thing with the coach where Will asks to come out because her asks to go back in. The coach is pissed, doesn't put him back in. So, I mean, we can argue how much blame he deserves for that series. But fact of the matter is, the last four to- four years he goes up against Russell, he has at least as talented a team as Russell. 
and he goes one and three. And then even after that, granted, 70s, well, it's not prime will. It's still him and Jerry West. And they get one more title. I don't want, you know, those Knicks teams are good. I'm not saying, like, Will's a massive failure or anything. But to me, he had enough chances where he had legit chances. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like he was 07 LeBron against the Spurs every year. There were real opportunities for more like that metric again that the ringer used. Will comes up out with 0.8 less championships than you'd expect, which feels about right to me. I feel like he should have gotten at least one more. It feels like he should be able to get the win. There's definitely a finals game where he has like 12 points or something. I can't remember who it was against. And those are some good points that you brought up about the series. But then I would have to look closely at his, you know, you went game by game. I have to look closely at what his teammates did and what he did. And even, you know, Boston by then had established that culture. So even if he does have teammates that are equal, he established a culture He's going against like I don't I don't know what you would say like Duke keeps going against the institution with guys that aren't as experienced and don't have the same championship pedigree that he surround you know that he surrounded with and he did get them like nobody else was getting them you know what I mean like nobody else got them yeah. but he did get them and he was the most competitive against them I, I would say generally speaking now the Knicks one he was old. I don't know how Willis Reed was dropping buckets on him with with a bad leg. Um, that one, that's the worst Wilt moment I feel like um, that there is. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's tough. But I, I obviously the better individual player is Wilt, and, and I judge by individual for individuals. <laughs> and I always say, hey, if you want to talk about teams, and just say the Celtics are the most dominant dynasty ever and bill russell was the best player on that team but to see the limitations of bill russell i don't care what era it was shooting under 40 percent shooting 42 percent from the field i know it was a different time but he still was a big man he still had the athletic advantage over almost every player on the court other than maybe like nate thurman depending on when that is i don't know if they overlap and and wilt like to me the lack of offense is so damning that i just can't Give him the nod, and I know how great he is his defense, but offense is still more important. I mean, I, I generally agree with a lot of that. I, for me, it kind of comes down to the, like Jerry West is on record, but he thinks Bill Russell was the best player of that period, and even Wilt was the clear number two, obviously. But I mean, the guy who played against Russell in a bunch of finals, played with Wilt, thought he was better. I mean, so apparently, according I, naturally, I went to the Bill Simmons chapter about why Russell is better than Will. We went on. Unbiased source. So yeah, thanks. I'm, Unbiased source. <laughs> but I, apparently, according to Simmons, when he read Wilt's autobiography, Wilt has a story in there that he included where the 65 Lakers took a vote on whether they wanted to get Wilt because they knew the Warriors were getting rid of him. And they voted 9-2 against adding Will, which I, I think was a dumb decision. Don't get me wrong. I want to, like, excuse the Lakers. But at the same time, it's not like they did that just because they were like, I don't, I don't love Wilt as a guy. It's like they clearly thought there were basketball issues. I think they were wrong to do it. They probably cost themselves at least one championship because of that. But that I, that's not going to happen if we're talking about if you gave any team a chance to trade for Jordan or Magic. Or Russell. That's a different time. It's a different time. If Jordan was in the 60s doing what he did before he won his championships and he had that reputation of being a ball hog, 
would an old school team in the 60s want him? You know, the context is so much different. And also, if you got a guy taking 50 shots, like maybe you don't want him to be your team. <laughs> you know, he's going to come in and be the, the, you know, the top dog. So I, I think that anecdotal stuff is what Simmons does, and it's not fair. Like, how can players, and also we both know that players are not good judges of talent. Like, if we look at players today, <laughs> we don't go by that. They say crazy things about players. Like, a lot okay. of players would have Iverson too high, would have Kobe too high, would have Melo too high. I, like, I, like, So that's not always the best right. barometer because they're looking out for their best. It's a lot of things. and But I've never seen a teammate come out, and, and, and I've looked. Maybe there's one. But there aren't a lot of teammates that have bad things to say about Wilt. It's usually people from Boston doing hatchet jobs. <laughs> All right, so we 100% agree that Bill Simmons is biased. <laughs> like, I'm not going to argue that. I, I have Will to head a bird. Obviously, we know Bill Simmons is not. I have, we, We've talked about before, whenever one of these guys comes out with, like a current player comes out with like his top five, it's almost always trash. So I agree. The one thing is the guy I brought up who made that observation was Jerry West, who yeah, is maybe West the is- ultimate... Yeah, but you also were talking about the... uh, I didn't argue Jerry West, but I definitely argued about the teammates issue. I guess Jerry West would be on that team or whatever. But the the vote of the team, you know. And also, sometimes you see a guy from afar, and you're like, oh my God, he shoots so much. But then you meet him, and and he's like, okay. It's not so bad. But you don't hear a lot of Laker teammates saying, uh, you know, he was horrible. And I think Jerry West... I think as great as he is, he'd lost a lot of finals to to Bill Russell. So yeah. you gotta look you gotta consider the source in saying this man tormented me and that's why I think he's the best because he's the ultimate winner and in some ways I'm the ultimate loser as far as finals go. And so it's it can be looked at through that prism too. I don't think Jerry West is putting his GM hat on about if you ask him who he wants to start a team with, I, I don't know what he would say. I don't know. Maybe I'll tweet him. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so just one more thing that I just have to do. So th- this is Wilt Chamberlain in his autobiography. I'm just going to read this ex- excerpt real quick. To Bill, every game, every championship game was a challenge, a test to his manhood. He took the game so seriously that he threw up in the locker room before almost every game. But I tend to look at basketball as a game, not a life or death struggle. I don't need scoring titles or championships to prove that I'm a man. There are too many other beautiful things in life. Food, cars, girls, friends, the beach, freedom. To get that emotionally wrapped up in basketball. I think Bill knew I felt that way. I think he both envied and resented my attitude. On the one hand, I think he wished he could learn to take things easier too. On the other, I think he may have felt that with my natural ability and willingness to work hard, my teams could have won a championship every year if I was totally committed to victory as he was. I wish I had won all those championships, but I really think I grew more than man and feet than Russell did in victory. So to me, this is, again, he was the Shaq of his era. He had all the talent. He wanted to win, but it wasn't like the death for him. He wanted to have – Will wanted to be Will. Like Shaq wanted to be Shaq. He wanted to be Shaq went out and made Kazan and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, but did but in in Wilt's well, case though, in Wilt's case, did he but maximize he his talent? I mean, but I think Wilt exhausted his.
his talent. I mean, he played to get the stats he did. He plays so hard. The average over 40 minutes a game is a little bit different than, you know, than Bill Russell had to do that in order to get the most out of him. With Wilt, like maybe Wilt is at 80. And that's that's him doing his part because he's still doing astronomical things. Like, could Wilt really have played better for his teams to win? That's a tough one because he dominates Russell head-to-head in stats. So it's like, what what else is he supposed to do? He led the team. He tried. He changed his game. He led the league in assists. He changed his game. He stopped being as much a ball hog. He tried everything you could do to win. So it's it's tough. I mean, it really is one of those impossible questions to answer. And I I think the the one reason I've moved more towards like I I used to be on like the Bill Russell. He's like number two. He's won all these championships, and now I I think he's five, and I will six. I mean, they're really close. One of the reasons that I question it a bit now is, like, if, if you threw me back in the 60s and made me a GM, I, I would take Bill Russell. But, but the reason I'm a little more open to it now is if I was a GM now and you transfer them to today or any really any time, like, 90s, 2000s, I'm not sure because, because Russell's dominance was built so much on his defense. And, I mean... Wh- Will this this will ultimately apply a little bit to him too? But it, because Russell was so much a defensive player, when you add the three point shot, he's not going to make as big of a difference. Because when everyone's got to try to get as close to the rim as possible to score, having a six eleven super freak athlete who can run like crazy, that's a huge advantage when you're forcing teams to take fifteen twenty footers. If it's today and teams are launching thirty threes a game having the best defensive player ever is still be great, but it's not going to make the same difference. So if if Russell couldn't elevate his scoring, because he was a really good passer, I think people forget he and Will are about, like, their assists per game, I think, are like... Yeah, he's a good passer, yeah. So I think people sometimes, they forget Russell was a good offensive player, but obviously, I, mean, I think Will's career points per game is almost double Russell's. Yeah. So maybe if you limit Russell's defensive impact, then maybe it is Will. But since they played in the same era, I'm going to go with the guy who won 11 titles to the guy who won two. But, you know, for, for me, as long I just don't want people to be like, oh, it's clearly this guy's way better, the other guy wasn't as good as people think. That's when it bothers me. When people are like, Will's not as good as Shaq. Then I'm like, no, you need to stop. Yeah, people are like, ah, but Russell's not a top 10 player. I'm like, no, that's wrong. As long as you're like, they're both really good, you know, I, I can live with the disagreement on that one. Yeah, and I love Bill Russell, too. I, I think I'm putting these positions to choose between, between the two of them. But yeah. you're talking about the guy who invented the block shot. Like, I love a good Bill Russell documentary. I've watched the Bill Russell documentary like five or six times. And I think he had like a series that was going on one time on NBA TV and how he just blocked a shot and the coach was like, can you do that? He's like, yeah, I'll just do it again. And he basically invented all intents and purposes. He invented the block shot. So, like, you can't speak on the impact of someone like that. It's really amazing. And I definitely would have to have him 
in my top six or seven or you know i think maybe on a bad day he would be eight but that's if my brother's in my ear because he's always slandering bill russell <laughs> needlessly so that could drop but yeah he's he's probably like six or seven or five depending on the day if i was feeling really good he could be yeah. three you know it just all depends on how it goes i thought also that was really interesting on the list i thought that uh let's see I think I said Kobe. They moved Kobe up. I believe Kobe was 11 on the list yeah. in 2016, and now he is moved to number nine. It's actually I'm surprised he didn't move up more, considering what went on. And I know it's rather it sure. definitely was taken. The poll was taken post his death. But where do you rank Kobe, generally speaking? Kobe is a tough one. I think because the Kobe Shaq thing is so hard to separate. Because it kind of feels like I like I ultimately come out where you are. I'm like I think I give Kobe the edge, but at the same time, if anyone's like Shaq's better, he was the best guy on all three title teams. That's hard to argue against. I think for me, Kobe at nine, that's probably where I put him. I think that's the highest I'm okay with putting him because I think he's definitely behind Duncan or and then you know the six before that. If you put Shaq or Hakeem ahead of them, I don't think I'd complain, which is what the original list from 2016 did. So I'm looking at he was yeah he was 12, so they had Shaq, Hakeem, and Oscar. He he jumped this list, and I'm okay with the Oscar jump because Oscar, you know, Oscar I think is a better offensive player than Kobe, but Kobe, granted, he got, you know the last couple of defensive teams were. Just reputation. But, I mean, he's not Derek Jeter where he won gold clubs just because he's Derek Jeter. Like, most of those early ones, Kobe was one of the best perimeter defenders in the game. So, I'm good with him ahead of Oscar and West. I think, yeah, Shaq and Hakeem, that one's tougher. But I'm I'm good with Kobe at nine. Yeah, it's, it's really hard when you get – they have nine Kobe, Shaq, ten – Oscar 11. It's hard for me to imagine a basketball, especially as a kid learning about the triple doubles and all that. It's hard for me to imagine a list where Oscar Robinson isn't in the top 10 basketball players of all time. That's just really difficult for me to imagine. But then you do have Kobe who came into existence and LeBron who moved up on the list and it's hard. It's like, is, yeah. is Elijah Wan better than Oscar Robinson? Is Shaq better than Oscar Robinson? I think I'd lean towards keeping Elijah Wan and Shaq out of the top. Um... 10 and maybe having Elijah Wan around 11 or 12 and Shaq around 12 or 13. Uh, but what I did have a big problem with, I don't know what the hell they're doing because I, I, I think it's hard for me to see Steph Curry uh, getting in the top 25. Uh, but he's at 13 and Durant's at 14. My biggest issue with Curry, and if you're going to say impact for the game, you can do you, then you need to make Magic and Bird a lot higher because how they change the game. Like, I, I can't give people like we can have a legacy list i can't give you credit for you inspiring other people to do things and i do think (laughs) what steph has done has revolutionized the game but it was already going that way like steph isn't the sole reason everybody's shooting all those threes so i think his impact sometimes is overstated and at the same time why am i giving you credit for shots that other people took for for your greatness i just and some of that's with dirk and being a stretch four. like i can't give you credit for points that you did not score you've only made 
Now, I'm not going to say you're a flash in a pan, but your greatness has been a flash, has been a meteoric rise, and you've only made three all-NBA teams. That means you've only been the <laughs> best player at your position three years of your life. You've been hurt a lot of your career. How in the hell can I give you top 15? And I like Steph a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, who doesn't like Steph? Like, everyone likes Steph. Like, people hate KD. Yeah. But no one, when people turned on the Warriors, it had nothing to do with Steph Curry. We all still loved him. But, I mean, yeah, but to your point, like you said, three first-team All-NBAs. And granted, two of those years he wins MVP. He wins three titles, gets five. Like, it's an impressive resume. But for, I don't even – I don't think I'd have him ahead of KD for one. Definitely. But – yeah, I, I could see him at the back end of the top 20, maybe. I, I can't put him over KD. I can't put him over Irving, Jerry West. Maybe you can – now Moses has got to be ahead of him for now, yeah, too. Yeah. I think he could get there. I think after Moses, I'm open to it. That's the, like, Carl Malone, Dirk spots, like Elgin Baylor, those type of guys. Yeah. I could argue spots in there. But he's at least four or five slots too high. I'm not ready for him to be over Barkley. Like, honestly, I can't. I just can't. <laughs> I can't do it. Like, what Barkley did to carry teams on his back for years and be contenders. You know, Steph came on the scene and they won that one championship. But then it was KD's show. Like, I just can't. I just can't do that for three fantastic but three all elite years and then if you really want to get in the resume you got to finish it you know i don't know if it's fair or not fair but he doesn't have he's been in how many finals and he only has one finals i mean no no finals mvps like to me that matters in your overall resume there should be no if you're an all-time top 15 player like there shouldn't be any way a finals mvp can be taken from you if you went to the finals four times I mean, in fairness to him, obviously, well, I mean, you're not going to win the year LeBron wins and the Cavs win. But, I mean, yeah, that, that first year, that's the one where it's like, Iguodala won MVP. Like, he played great. He was awesome in that series. And as, you know, LeBron put up big numbers overall, but he shot like 40%. So, I don't blame him for giving it to Iguodala. But it's like, if you're Curry, yeah, that's kind of, you can't let, Delvadova bother you enough where they give the MVP to Iguodala. That that's not great. Yeah, it's just like it's uh, part okay. of your greatness. I think sometimes, like with Jordan the six no, it's overrated. Like I'll argue with a member of the group that people may or may not know, Chase Hiles will argue, and he overemphasizes rings. He's like, if you get there, man, you got to finish. That's what makes Jordan great. I said, so are we gonna play? Are we gonna um like ignore when Jordan didn't make it? Like that's not good. As if he is somehow like not caring about the first and second round and he just turns on this magic button for the finals. It's like, no, I mean, you, you right. want to give the all you got, but you're try- every game is for the championship. So you can't just say, you know, that and say none of these things count when they do lose and not get there. But at the same time, if, if on the, if you're talking about the pan- pantheon and the greatest of the greats, and that's what top 15 is, there's, you can't, I don't care if they stole it from you. Like, there shouldn't be a doubt that you're the best player on the court in one of the four finals, and and I am trying to put you as a top 15 player. 
Yeah, the top 15 is crazy. Back end of the top 20, I could live with. I, I would probably put him in the low 20s right now. I could see what, that. Like, some of the top 25. You take, would you take him or Zeke? I, it's hard. Steph, because he's revolutionary. I think Zeke gave a lot of his game away, and I think if he played now, we would see something like Steph or Damian Lillard. Like, he'd be like Damian Lillard, but even more of a winner, I think, um, is what Zeke could be. Um, but I still have to take Steph just with the results because he's a revolution and he, he really is. Just watch, just the eye test. He is the second best point guard I've ever seen. Yeah, because yeah, when I look at when I'm looking at that area of the list, it's like I feel like he's better than all the guards. Yeah, like, I think I, I take him over Zeke. I think I, t- I think I would take him over Wade. But I don't know if I'm ready for that, that or not. I don't know if I'm that, ready for that, that one's well, there's not. Take him. I would, Wade I, has that. You know what? I'm, I'm going to take that back. I might go Wade. <laughs> yeah, and then that finals appearance that Wade had before, you know, um, before before LeBron came when Shaq was on the team and he just obliterated, no matter how much yeah. he got helped by the referees. That was one of the greatest finals appearances ever. <laughs> I mean, I think they got David Robinson 24. Yeah, I've got him over David Robinson. I've got him over. I don't have him over Barkley. I don't have him over Baylor. Uh, I would put him over Garnett. Eh, yeah, I would put him over Garnett, but I wouldn't put him over Dirk. I put him over Nash, Iverson, Isaiah. There's that's some real curious stuff. They've got uh, let's see, another curious one. What do you think? Where would you put? Let's do real quick. Where would you put Durant? Um, see, I kind of think I jump ahead of Curry, but then I think. I think I have West ahead of him, maybe Irving. I think he's right in that 15-ish slot. Give or take one spot, 15. I can't 14, have him in front 16. of, I can't I have him in front of right. Dr. J and J West now. And maybe, eh, maybe ahead of Moses Malone. That's a tough one, I think so. Uh, but definitely ahead of Barkley, definitely ahead of Pippen, definitely ahead of Dirk. So I could have him. Like around 15 is where I would put KD because he's basically the greatest scorer that the game has ever seen efficiency wise. So you can't yeah. like, it's he's, he's ridiculous. So I, I, I do, I would have that. They've got a lot of new guys in here. It's uh let's do Pippen real quick. They got Pippen at 21 issues with that seems high, but I mean, I would have him at 25, but. Let's see. Uh, I'm looking through the list. All right. I think no one they have ahead. Would I move Pippen? Ahead of? Because I, I think I would take Curry, because we know Curry could be the best player on a championship team. I don't think Pippen was ever quite there. Um, I would put Elgin ahead of him, Barkley. <sighs> After that, you know what? I put Zeke ahead of him, honestly. I would, too. I would, too. Nobody likes to say that, but come on, man. And, and it's, too, my brother says it, too. It's like, when you talk to those guys in the 90s, Magic, Patrick Ewing, uh, Carmelo, Carmelo hates him, but John Stockton, the guys of the 90s, the people on the Dream Team that kept Isaiah out, they don't speak about Pippen with the same reverence that they speak about guys who were the number one option and won championships or led their team to 50 wins consistently. No. It's not the same because he was a sidekick. And uh, I think that is telling. They'll tell you he's a great player, but they won't tell you that he's on the same level as even like 
like a Clyde Drexler who was carrying Portland, and obviously Pippen's going to get it because of the championships, but it's just the same reference. It's not there. Like He's not on the level of Patrick Ewing or Charles Barkley or any of those guys as an individual, but what he did as a Robin, he gets a lot of credit for. Yeah, I, I think he's at least four or five spots. I think mid to late 20s is where he should be. But speaking of Clyde Drexler, did you see where Clyde Drexler is on this list? Where is he? I haven't even seen it. Where is he? Not on it? Is he on it? Let's see. He's on it. Let me see. I, I have. It's kind of weird on my spreadsheet because I believe he is at 57. That's yeah. not crazy because it's about where, where Vince Carter is, and I feel like that's a similar kind of career. No, that's insane. You can't say Clyde Drexler was Vince Carter. Well... I mean, eh, see, I'm higher on Vince Carter than most people. I mean, Drexler didn't win. I mean, yeah, you know, he went to two finals. They should have probably beat uh, the Lakers the year that the uh, Bulls won their first. They kind of came up short. I have to look at that Ringer article. I think that's interesting. But, um, yeah, I mean, why do you think he's superior to, to Vince he, Carter? All right. All right. So, we, well, we would agree that the most competitive era of the NBA is, like, 1980 to, like, 1993, right? Yeah, definitely. All right, so he was the best player on two teams that went to finals in that era. And one of those times, he didn't win because he went against peak Michael Jordan. And then... One of his greatest performances, yeah. Yeah, and then he's an elite sidekick on a team that beats a three, a two, a one, and a one seed to win the title. Yeah, I didn't think that out. Right. You're right. Yeah, I didn't think that out. You're, you're right. That shouldn't be. <laughs> that shouldn't be. And you know what's hurt me, though? I've been listening to, and there's going to be a Dream Team uh, uh, podcast called the Dream Team Tapes with uh, Jack McCallum, wonderful writer or whatever. But he's going to have, he, he recorded the Dream Team, like, uh, when he did the book, he recorded all of these guys. Clyde Drexler said that the only thing Michael Jordan could do better than him was shoot more. <laughs> and, you know, these, Drex- yeah. these Drexler stories... <laughs> From this, uh, from the Jordan documentary, has really hurt him in my eyes. I think, and I think I've been jaded. I've been affected even by the propaganda. But I mean, Michael Jordan kicked his ass, so that's not propaganda. But um, yeah. yeah, that's tough. And Drexler really played really well in that finals. He just didn't average like 38, 39, 40 points a game. So you're right. That's absurd. That that's absurd. Uh, Drexler should be okay. above. Ray. He's better than Ray Allen, who they have at fifty six. He's yeah. better than Carter. He's better than Peyton. He's better than McGrady. You might want to stop at 51 where you got James Worthy. Reggie Miller's 49. I don't know why. One of my favorite players of all time. But I, do you think Reggie Miller's better than Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady? I think he I think he had a better career than both of those guys. That's probably true. Like, he, he definitely maximized it. But I there were some really good Pete, teams. Pete Tracy McGrady was at 0 3 He had... Honestly, Tracy McGray, I can't remember which year it was, 02 or 03. I think it's 03 because I think it's when Duncan wins uh, MVP. I guess he won both those years. Whatever year that was, though, he has a 30 PER, which is like a handful of guys ever have done that. He was honestly like as good as Pete Kobe Bryant. Yeah, he is. He is. And my brother's favorite player, too. And I believe that, too. He was, he was, in his peak, he was as good as Pete Kobe Bryant. So, which is amazing. So, you, you, he's a wild card because. Of you know he didn't win, well, uh, but at the same time, look, look you know, at got injured. Yeah, uh, they got Giannis at twenty seven. That that's a little early. It's coming, but that's I don't know where you put Giannis. A little early, a little early. I feel like a little early. Well, that's well, I mean, granted, we can probably spot him another MVP. He's got two MVPs then. 
But it's a 27. That like that's closer to where Curry should be. That's yeah, not yeah, where exactly. Giannis yeah. should be. They jumped them all. They jumped them both about and, ten. If you put Giannis in front of Allen Iverson, I don't have a problem. <laughs> but also Isaiah Thomas. Let's get. Let's do it. Steve Nash at 30. Isaiah Thomas at 31. James Harden at 32. Stockton at 28. And Allen Iverson at 29. To me, Iverson's got to be the back half of 35 to 40. I just can't see you putting a guy that inefficient. Uh, His peak was one year and didn't play defense. And uh, he got there because, and people like to hate it, but he got there because the team played really good defense and he was able to just kind of be like a running quarterback and make plays and be really inefficient during one of the weakest eras in basketball. And that's his claim (laughs) to fame other than like, just scoring records. I, I just don't see the fascination if you really break it down what he brought to the game and the court other than intangibles and popularity. Yeah, I mean, obviously that, the fact that he's his team was the only team to beat the Lakers that postseason is amazing. Like, Allen Iverson was a really good player. But, yeah, it's just the one season and he was super inefficient. I think the one thing I kind of realized looking back at the team he had and looking at the bad boy Pistons is if your lead guy is going to be like a six foot, this is going to be a point guard basically who's not Magic Johnson, six yeah. nine. Build a defensive team. Let that guy create offense for your team. Like I think if Chris Paul had played for elite defensive teams instead of Blake Griffin and Co. Like I think he would have probably had one a run like this one year. Because that's the way you build around a smaller guy. You make it really difficult for the other team to score, and you just let him create the offense for your team. But yeah, that one year, that's too much. I it's do. just super disrespectful. They were like, let's throw Stockton, Iverson, Nash directly in front of team. That's just insane. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand what. I, I don't know if Jordan's people made the list or if. Uh, I don't know what the deal is with that, but it's not, it's just not okay. Considering that he's the only person that's a superstar level that beat the Jordan in his prime, Magic in his prime, Larry Bird in his prime. And it's just, some of this stuff does get down to popularity and it, 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 it's not right. Like it shouldn't be like that, but too often it comes down to who, who has been in the media, who has been like, they're very different players. But does Kevin Garnett have a better resume than Isaiah Thomas? I don't know. That's, that's a close one. I mean, the weird thing for me to be making this from Isaiah Thomas argument is his advanced stats are not very good. Like, he has under 100 win shares in his career. Uh, I'll edit it. We were uh, we got interrupted there, but we're joining it back in progress. We were talking about Isaiah Thomas and his case of where he believes he where we believe he is. And you were talking about his win shares what weren't even that good. His advanced metrics. Yeah, so his advanced metrics are not very impressive. But like I think if I look around, like he has his career win shares. 80, he has 81 career win shares. So you asked like his resume for Garnett. Garnett has 181 win shares. So if you go by advanced metrics, you know, Isaiah's not the guy. 
But uh, to me, that just tells me the limits of advanced metrics because he's the best player on a team that won two back-to-back. They made three straight finals and almost made four. Like They arguably should have beat that last Celtics team that made the finals. And his, and the one advanced metrics thing in his favor is all of his metrics get better in the playoffs, which is very rare. Yeah. Like, I think MJs go up a little, Bonds go up a little because they're like the best players ever. Everyone else is like taking hits. And his go up across the board. I think he and Akeem are like, you see the biggest improvement postseason versus regular season, which to me just tells me these are guys who knew when to step up. And I think he's so. The I, I think it's he's top twenty-five. Definitely, I think he's the he's only great thirty-second or whatever. I think he's the only great player, or I think he's the great player that sacrificed the most of his game. He definitely could have put up insane numbers, but they wouldn't have won. And his concept of team and his leadership, and you know, a lot of times I'm not as willing to give on some of that stuff, but it's just so clear from studying the era and watching the games and his impact on the game and what he could do. And you you have to give him the credit for that. So I think a lot of people don't see that. And if you weren't around during the era, if you didn't dig like you did, Doug, you wouldn't see that. I don't don't think. But yeah, I think that's criminal what they did to Isaiah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any. Bill Walton's always given a little bit too much love. I think it's a great run, but he got hurt and he didn't play a lot, but they've got him in top 50. I always think that's like, they give him a lot of credit for potential in college. I, honest to God, I, I think that does happen with Bill Walton. You know, it was a great run that one year. I think he's got, what, two or three years that are really good, but it's not, it, it, it's, they're giving him a lot of credit, I think. Um, he's like the Gale Sayers, where it's like, yeah, people are like, This we know what he could have been, so we're gonna, yeah. I think, do you think Kevin McHale, Scotty Pippen, there's a 15 uh gap, 15 person gap between the two of them? Do you think that's closer, or even that maybe even McHale is better, or right at Pippen? Uh, I don't think Mikhail's at Pippen level. I think he should be ahead of Giannis right now. I think yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's a little but crazy. looking at Mikhail, I, I mean, I understand why George McCann always is high, like high on these lists. But it's like there's no way. Like they were similar players, but Mikhail's more athletic. Like he's better than him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'd have him ahead of Jason Kidd. I think he's Mikhail should be a few spots higher. I think he's like a low mid thirties guy though. I don't think they're way off on that one. Yeah, I don't think Walt Frazier ideal because people act like Willis Reed was like far and away the best player on those teams, and he was he was the best player. But Walt Frazier is like one B. Yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. Do you think he's shows up about game seven? Reed's just probably. Yeah, he was just like the inspiration, like the motivation, but he only scored like four points or whatever it was. It might be four to eight, but I think he scored two, hit two shots and just was a zombie out there, just a body. Do you, Mello is not on this list. Is that fair? Yeah. He's the biggest dropper from the last ESPN list. He was 59 when they did this list in 2016, and now he is not in the top 74. I mean, I spent the, the, I think from probably 2014 to maybe 2018, I shat on Melo as much as a man possibly could. 
but that was from people <laughs> overrating him and and but the tide turns so hard to not respecting what he does bring to the table like i would always say he's the greatest he's the one of the best natural scores ever he's the best natural score in the in, pure score in the nba blah 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 but but now they say he da 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 and act like the scoring didn't happen and and i, I find myself in an awkward position of one of my least favorite players of all time feeling that he's being disrespected. <laughs> all right, so here's, here's my controversial take. His teammate on the one Nuggets team that, that made a run should be on this list before him. That's Chauncey Billups. I think Chauncey Billups belongs on this list before Carmelo Anthony. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I, I don't know what to do with Chauncey. It definitely is the Isaiah thing. You saw what happened. Another scratch, another uh, like slight for uh, Iverson. As soon as they got rid of Iverson, like you got a team that made it to the Western Conference Finals and pushed the Lakers to six or seven. I can't remember. I think it was seven. But that was the best Mello we ever saw. But when Mello went to Denver, the team, like, I mean, when uh, Chauncey went to Denver, the team automatically clicked. So, and then that's not counting his championship years or his championship year and getting to the finals with Detroit. I mean, I, I, I could I could see that. I wouldn't do that because I just think individual. I typically give individuals the edge unless I see something like an Isaiah situation where his talent obviously was sacrificing, whereas Chauncey is just like an amazing guy who makes the team better in all these little subtle ways. But I don't think he was like sacrificing his game and his talent to to be there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's not on that. It's just That's the, interesting. Yeah, he, he's the best player on the title team. He's the he's the best player. What's the, I mean, well, I want to go back and look at that four series because. I mean, he's the finals MVP in the finals in which he's going up against Shaq and Kobe. Obviously, you're not going to give it to the guys who's in five games, but... That's true. I mean, that's quite an accomplishment. That's definitely true. That's an interesting... That's a, that's not a bad take. That's not a hot take. That's a well thought out, well... Uh... Well, cook take. That's that's good. That's been marinated. <laughs> anything else? Anything else you got to get off your chest about this list? <laughs> Um. All right. Just for for context, I want to I'm going to give you Clyde Drexler's previous ranking on this list. His ranking on Simmons Pyramid from 2010. So granted, a few people would have passed him on that list, and then Jack McCollum's list from five years ago. So Drexler now is like 57 on this list. 36 four years ago on the ESPN list. Wow. 44 10 years ago for Simmons. 35 for Jack McCollum five years ago. So this guy's a consensus top 45 guy, and now he's like barely in the top 60. I, I don't know what happened. Who swapped in on this list? But Clyde Drexler is being disrespected. He is not worse than Paul Pierce or, Tur- or Vince Carter or Reggie Miller. <laughs> like, come on. And again, nice. these people, and you know, we talked about his popularity. These people are in the media Reggie Miller, 
Vince Carter is just, he's still playing. And so he's built, rebuilt his reputation. And Paul Pierce is also in the media. Even though sometimes I think Paul Pierce being in the media has hurt his career and made him more like a laughing stock because of some of the things he says. But I mean, he was a very good player. But yeah, it, it, <laughs> it is a lot about who you see who's more visible after they finish playing, which isn't fair. is isn't how they should be doing it. But uh, it's always been, it's always great, Joe. Thanks for coming on the show. Wait, I have one. Oh, you got one more. All right, let's go. go, go. Let's do it. All right. So, so they did top top seventy four because it's the seventy. There's been seventy four years of NBA. So, if we're making this list in six years and we're doing top eighty, what guy who's not on this list do you think moves onto the list? Well, so what guy playing right now? How many years playing so far here? How many more years? So that's six years. So uh, Zion, I think. So six years now. I think Zion. I think I'm trying to think of a young guys. Definitely Zion stands out. Um, I, don't I, know. I don't see Tatum. I tell, I, even if I didn't know you left the ring group, I would know by the fact that you didn't name someone else as a possibility right there. Who Tatum? Luca. Oh, 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 yeah. I didn't. Th- I just didn't think. I it, it it definitely. He's he's up there. He could be. You can't forget. I mean, well, I think they'll like try to make him there no matter what. But <laughs> but no, at the pace that he's at, I think he could definitely get on there. Um, he's gonna have to do some winning, but we'll we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting. One other, if things break right. Depending on how things break, when their teams are fully healthy, Clay and Kyrie have the real opportunity. If like either of them wins another title, granted they'll be the number two guy probably, but I think that's enough to probably get one of those guys to the bottom. So. I almost feel like Kyrie should be on. I have to look at it. I almost have to be on there. Is he better than Walt Frazier? Like we have to really look at that. I didn't think of that. But yeah, those are two good ones. Clay too, especially like there's a lot of guys with the resume like clay of being like the second or third guy that's really strong i mean i think clay not as good but clay is shaping up to have like a james worthy kind of resume and i think uh that would be impressive you know that that's the kind of career he's having where i think he could be much better on another team but he's sacrificing a lot and what he does on defense uh, he's a really good one uh and maybe even like i'd almost be considered like there's three rings and almost consider him you know at the bottom of the list i don't know i'd have to really think about that between clay and uh and kyria being real threats to actually be on this list but it's hard with new guys like that and that weren't the lead guys but yeah that's a good that's a good one that's a good topic and then there's got to be one i guess maybe damian lillard could be a guy like that because he definitely he's not winning is he on there oh wow okay wow He's seventy-two, fighting right, uh, right ahead of Kimby. Okay, okay. So that's that's there you go. Good job, Damian Lillard. I think uh, I don't know how Alex English. Alex English wasn't on the <laughs> other list. He got on there. How can Alex English be on the list but Melo's not? Like that's not right. <laughs> that's not okay. It's really not. Alex well, English was not even. Dan, he didn't get on this list. So he got on it or he didn't get on it. Yeah. So yeah, Adrian Danley did not. He got kicked off. 
Nah, he'll be all right. He'll he'll be all right. They traded him and they won a championship. That's not that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Sorry, Adrian. Right. Yeah. I'm saying we're talking. He's right there with Melo. Yeah, yeah, score. Yeah, he was a good score. So I, I'm I'm loving that Dominique is in the top fifty. Dominique is uh, number forty six. He's uh kind of overlooked a lot. Uh, Westbrook's forty two. That's that's not, that's not bad. I guess that's okay. He's done a lot of good things, but Ewing's thirty seven. I think we covered most of it. Uh, George Gerben's 47. That seems well. Ewing's 37. George Gerben's 47. That does seem fair. Do you any problems with uh, Dave Robinson 24 and Kawhi 25? Kawhi's ahead of Wade, which seems a little weird. Yeah, that's too early. I yes. think, I mean, if, if we're looking at like what a guy could do with his peak, Kawhi top 25 is fine. But I mean, how many seasons does he have? Like three? Yeah, yeah. They, they, it's Four, nine. maybe. And and we're playing the one, the championship won. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not. I'm glad you won a championship, but you played sixty games. Like if you didn't have a really good supporting cast, like you probably wouldn't have won the championship because you would have been in such a deficit with home court advantage. So I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I can't. It was a great one of the greatest postseason runs ever, but yeah, yeah, that's tough. That they're giving him a little bit too early. It's a little off. Yeah, that's a little. That's a little off. But uh, of course, of course, if we ever finish the season, maybe at the end he's right. That's the right spot. Like, yeah, knows? if he wins again, like, if yeah. they win another title, I'd be like, oh. I'm not even sure if he's overweight. If he wins another title, like, are we forgetting? Like, what Wade? Wade also had a great postseason run, and like, and if he has another one, but also, what do you did with LeBron when they went back to back? I mean, it was pretty close to, like, a, he was more than a Pippin. Like, he was a huge, it was like having two stars, two top five players in the league at the same time with yeah. uh, the Heat. So, I, I, I'm not going to, like, as much as Dwayne Wade won't leave the stage, uh, I'm not going to disrespect what he really meant to the game because he was <laughs> a monster. I don't know, that'd be three championships, three finals MVPs. Yeah, so that, that would be tough. Yeah, I mean, who else another is one? Yeah, and, and if he beat MJ, LeBron, LeBron, if he beat LeBron and Giannis, it, it beat Giannis again and beat LeBron. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, he yeah. might be able to pass him. But that that first Finals MVP, yeah, that's a that's a uh, that's an Iggy Finals <laughs> MVP. That's tough. That was for guarding LeBron. So I, I don't know about that one. Yeah, but. Yeah, as far as like resume, we got to like look at that one. I side eye, I side eye both of those ones because you just you guarded LeBron well, basically, and contributed on offense, and so you got the MVP. So I don't know. I mean, he definitely wasn't the lead yeah, dog yeah, that, on those Spurs teams until the end. Yeah, I mean that that one's not worth as much. That's like a step above the Iguodala one. But I, I think he, I think he's in that top twenty-five range if he wants another one. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think he's there right now. I think this this another guy who should not be Z. Like that's that shouldn't be happening. Yeah, that's that's insulting. I don't <laughs> I don't understand what's happening, but that's really insulting for a guy. Most of his career was playing second, was kind of in a Pippin role until the last couple of years on the Spurs, and then of course when he went to Toronto. But he was kind of in a Pippin role. It's like a Pippin had broken out. Like if anything, let's disrespect Scotty and put him in front of Scotty. Yeah. Like if I'm gonna do something like that, he is a better player than Scotty Pippin. Like as a player, <laughs> he's a better player than Scotty Pippin. The resume is just not there yet. So. He's like a Pippin 2.0, so. 
But yeah. All right. You got anything else? No. I think I've talked myself out. I know. I think you got it. You got it all off your chest. I'm good. We're both very passionate about it. You're the other guy. My brother can get biased, but you're the other guy <laughs> like talking about, uh, he's got like agendas, talking about NBA history. I could talk about this stuff all day. But thanks for coming on the show, Joe. Yeah, I'll, I'll always happy to be on.